0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. This week on the program, we're going to be talking about the rise of sim racing and in particular, the ongoing E1 championships. A tournament which put together 20 of the best sim racers representing 10 teams from various countries around the region. The E1 Championships is the brainchild of a man who's no stranger to Malaysians, former Minadi F1 driver Alex Young, who's now putting his efforts into e motorsports with his company Axel Racing. This week he joins us on the program and we're going to talk about the new season of the E1 Championships.
0: Exciting racing! Um, you know, the, this is actually our third season because there was a season zero, season one. Um, yeah, no, it's it's kind of interesting. We've seen esports just explode, and the racing side of esports, the e-racing side, has also been growing. And um, it was time to put a really professional-run championship out there, and that's what the E1 Championship is all about. Uh, we had a Malaysian win the season zero, had a Singaporean win season one, mm. and um, a lot of new phases for season two at the moment. um, It's going to be very tough to see which way it's going to go.
1: Mm, uh, Is it pretty much drivers from, e-drivers from the region only?
0: Yeah, Uh so basically because obviously you can't be too far away from the server. So we've targeted drivers from Asia Pacific region. Got you. Um, And we've got the best, you know, we're in iRacing right now. We've got the best Singaporean driver, best Malaysian driver, Um, got really good drivers from Australia as well and India even. Um, The the winner of the first race was was an Indian driver who's was, was, um, Really, really special performance.
1: Great stuff. Uh, So you mentioned you had two seasons before this. Um, Maybe take me through some of the lessons you've learned, you know, organising these two seasons, you know. Is there anything new to look forward to in season two?
0: Um, Okay, so the main objective of why we're doing this is to remind people of how exciting motor racing is. Motor racing is fun, uh, but we kind of forgot that with a lot of the real-life racing that goes on these days um, because it's the rules are always skewed to the biggest teams, mm. so you and up and often seeing some very boring racing in real life. So we're trying to remind people how exciting it is. And, and cause it's the virtual world, we can do reverse grid races and all sorts of things. So um, we've learned how to do the production better and more exciting to capture the, the driver's uh, feedback and, and, and reactions when they drive. Mm. Uh, I'm so fortunate to have Astro as a partner. EGG do a great job with the production. You know, we have Des Corkhill as the commentator, who is Mr. Excitement. Um, Adam um, C. has been joining us also for the first round. And he's just, in my opinion, he's the best English presenter in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, so the production side has been very good. We have obviously had to tinker things with a bit about how we run race control and stuff. Because we have to thread a fine line. Right. A, it has to be a sport. That's the most important thing. It's still a sport, so the best drivers and teams win. But it's also entertainment. So we often do things like throw in joker rounds, um, mystery joker tracks. Rounds. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Reverse grids. Hmm. So it makes it really tough for the drivers to win. We'll still get the best driver winning, but he's going to have to work really hard for it. And, and the aim is for him to win the championship on the last corner of the last lap of the last <laughs> round. You know?
1: So, right. To the wire. Um, Is there any to the um top uh, Malaysian e-drivers that are in the E1 championships to look out for? Can you some names yeah. up for me.
0: Yeah, um, I think Naki Aslan, he won the championship in season zero. Um, Mika Hakimi is also very good. Um, it's been quite fun to watch them grow, to be honest. When I jumped into this eSports three years ago in 2018, mm. you could see the standard was coming, but it was kind of like this. Um, but now the standard has really risen. You know, like Nakib's won winning races internationally, so's Mika. Um, we've got some Singaporeans who are very good, like um, Alif Hamilton, Muhammad Alif, he's been very good. Um, this new Indian driver, Mohammed Ibrahim, wow, he was spectacular in round one. So, th- and that's been the main point of these championships, is if you don't support the drivers and the team so they grow, don't put them in big, in other races as well, there's no point, you know. And, and, and our drivers are reaching, you know, they're winning on the world stage now. Um, you know, Nakib and Mika, who I just mentioned, they've actually been picked up by Toyota. Wow. They're in the Toyota Gazoo racing program. And their very, very first race in a real road car, um, oh. At the Toyota Gazoo Rookies Cup, he, um, Mika was third and Naqib won the race. So we're showing that these uh, e drivers can do it in real life too.
1: Mm, that was actually my next question, you know, can sim drivers yeah. be as good as real life drivers? Sure, you know, there are subtle differences yeah. here and there, but it's pretty much yeah. the same experience, isn't it?
0: Well, actually, this is the thing, you know, when I first started that, people asked me that and I yeah, would say, yeah, sure. I think they can be as good. But now I've worked with them. Um, and because we work across so many different platforms, it's not like other esports. We stick it only in one game, one platform. With mm. racing, you can go across different platforms mm. because of the same skill. And these drivers that go across different platforms, they are not as good as real-life drivers. They're actually much better. Um, I'm working with them. And we, we go to Le Mans one day, and then we'll go to Indi- in Indianapolis, and we we'll go to Spa, and we work different cars, do a front-wheel drive, do a rear-wheel drive. And they're racing these championships, and they're learning things that I only learned after 20 years of motorsports. You know, they're learning these little tricks here and there. It's like, wow, I'm watching that. I'm going, oh my God, I learned that in F1. You know, if only, and I, like, if only
1: I had that back in the yeah, day. Yeah,
0: yeah, I only had that. I'd be the only person in, so world, in this country that had that. And I'm looking at these wow, you know, they're coming on so fast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's especially true if you believe that Maxim, that is, um, if you want to become world class or something, you need to put it in 10,000 hours of work. And you can only do that in the sim. And that's mm-hmm. what these boys are doing, they're 30, 40 hours a week. It's crazy the amount of hard work they put in. Um, so, yeah, the real, the proper answer is these virtual races are far better than the real life races. Got you. Especially, Not, especially in this region.
1: Mm, got you. Now, talking a little bit, scoping out a little bit, looking at the scene, you know, um, I guess converting a traditional racing fan into esports, into e racing, and especially with esports growing so rapidly, do mm. you feel that both these realms can coexist together?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they're the, the closing, they're joining because you see the sim guys going to the real world, and now you see the real world guys come to the sim world mm. because they're realizing that they're missing out on so much because i see these sim guys come to the real world and kick their ass. So the real life guys go like, wow, you know, okay, I, I can see what they're doing and they're, they're so much more advanced in the race craft and how to drive cars and adaptability. Mm. So the, it's, it's going to be very soon where they'll be merged. We won't be talking about sim drivers, real drivers. They'll just be drivers. Mm. For converting motorsport fans, it depends what sort of motorsport fan you are. Right. If you like racing and you like driving and you like competition, you'll be converted straight away because you get all those things in the virtual. Mm. But if you like the cars, just the cars and seeing the real life cars, if you like the girls, then maybe not so much, you know? <laughs> so it really depends what you're in motorsport for.
1: Got you. Uh, Alex, is the ultimate goal to put um, a sim racer into a real car like you've done? Is that the ultimate yeah. goal for you?
0: They're already doing it. That That's not a problem. My ultimate goal is to put a sim drive sim racer into a real car get him into a a world championship and win that world championship.
1: Um, Alex, it's no secret that uh, you've been through it. It's no secret that, you know, funding a racing career is very expensive, super expensive. Would you say that getting into, you know, top-notch, serious, competitive sim racing is as expensive? Well, cheaper, but is it expensive as well? No.
0: Well, I mean, depends. If you're doing League of Legends or something, or PUBG, and that's all you need, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So the, the sim guys... Uh, a lot of them start out with just keyboard and mouse, but uh, the PC or console. Oh. As you get better, then you have to invest in a wheel, pedals. So you end up spending maybe 10 to 15 grand on a really good set. You you won't start off with that. You might only spend five grand yeah. on a crappy wheel and stuff. Mm. And some of the top drivers in the country are, are racing on crappy wheels. But obviously, when you start doing world championships and stuff, you want the nicer equipment. And then you start spending 10, 15 grand in total. Mm. Um, so it's not it's not cheap, but it is affordable, mm. right? It's not out of the range of most people. Uh, and that's what I love about esports. It's so democratic. It's a real equalizer. It doesn't matter what shape, what size, what race, what sex, you mm. know. If you like the sport, you're willing to put in the hours, you can succeed. For sure. And that makes it more of a real sport than any other sport.
1: Yeah, so accessible be- as well, right? You know, yeah. everyone can do yeah. it.
0: Because sport is supposed to be about equality for all. Yeah. And in motorsport that's not true mm. a tiny percentage of the population can afford that so yeah. it's not really a sport mm. uh, even if you want to do b- mountain biking bikes are expensive yeah. you know so most sports are very elitist mm. only maybe football <laughs> you just need a padang somewhere or badminton or you know?
1: badminton yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but outside of that it's 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 expensive to do sports you know yeah. tennis gotcha. club membership yeah. you know swimming you need access to a pool you know so i, I love these sports it's more of a Equalizer than any other sport at the moment.
1: Mm, got you, uh, Alex. You founded AXO Racing, uh, AXO Sport mm. in 2008. Esports back then was still pretty much in its yeah, yeah. infancy. Um, how have you seen the local esports scene gro- uh, scene grow since then?
0: Well, there've been a lot of um, great teams coming up. Um, you know, especially here locally. You know, uh, Singapore, Malaysian-based teams, um, Flash, um, RSG. Uh, Genk, uh, what's it, Wolf, VR, you know, there are a lot of these teams coming up, but they've come into racing as well. But I mean they their bread and butter are the mobile game games, you know. They're very professional, they're getting a lot better, you know. Um on the simulator side, which obviously I can I, I know more about, yeah, it's more you know, it's not as big as other esports. It's more niche. Hmm. But it is growing. Uh like our E One season our, our opening race on Wednesday, we had five hundred people watching. Wow. Which, mm. when you consider against other esports, that's not many. You know, they might get twenty thousand people watching. We only got five hundred. Mm. But for a motor racing event, it's huge. Um, and for a simulator racing event, it's huge. Five hundred people. You know, and, and by the end of the night, I think twenty-five thousand people had seen the video. Mm. Um, and that's not that's on Facebook. If you look on EGG, uh, twenty-five thousand people on on just EGG in Malaysia watch that. Mm. So, it is it is definitely growing. You know, it is people are waking up to the fact that motorsports is exciting. You still won't get the same numbers as, as the mobile phone games, you know, but it's, 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 it's getting there. And I'm pretty optimistic, especially when you consider what happens in the real world here and locally. I mean, in the real world here in Malaysia, you won't get people going to watch the races, only Capri, only in the motorbikes, MotoGP, but car races, no one goes to watch.
1: Two wheel racing is definitely the most popular race spot here, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Mm. Um, We've seen, um, like you're talking about, you know, we've seen the esports model work very well with F1, right? F1 teams are now even signing uh, sim drivers, right? Uh, Brandon yep. Lee, off the top of my head, you know, he wouldn't yep. have his name wouldn't be out there if it weren't for esports. If it weren't for um, EF1, yep. right? In your opinion, what did FIA do so well with this?
0: They're still figuring it out, to be honest. Um, they. To be honest, if FIA didn't exist, the racing world would still be as strong as it is now. Okay. Um, there are Formula 1 teams doing it um, in the Formula 1 game, but not all of them are doing it very seriously. I mean, the Formula 1 game is very popular, so is GT Sport, but it's not seen as a proper simulator game. Right. So You mentioned Brandon Lee. Um, there have been other drivers like uh, Mikal from Germany um, who are top in GT Sport and Formula 1. But... Those games are more like arcadey games. Uh, you don't really see much progression onto something else on that. You, the Formula One teams are giving it a bit of face value, and Brandon Lee does that. But mm-hmm. the guys who really want to make a career in e racing, the racing side of esports, they have to do the simulator games. And those are R Factor 2 and iRacing, because those are the ones where you get more professional teams doing it. Teams like Redline, um, the other iRacing teams, Colander, um, you know, and you have got some. Formula 1 teams who do do those simulator games properly, like um, Williams does it. Um, Redline, of course, does a few stuff with that. There's a Red Bull eSports team as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it is. there is an ecosystem growing and you, you do get professionals in Europe doing just these races. We're not there yet. I mean, our, our sim drivers, I would call them semi professional. I mean, our boys are doing it like a normal job. They're on the simulator every day, but they're going to school or they have the day job still as well. Mm. So, for our, our boys who are, I consider, semi professional to go out in Europe and European races and do well, sometimes win, that's pretty good. Um, hopefully, there'll they'll be more interest in the region for these sort of drivers and they can go fully professional.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um- Another part, another angle to cover this is, you know, sim racing is becoming so prevalent. Um, do, do you foresee, you know, car companies mm. using e-sports and sim racing as a platform to market yeah. their products?
0: Yeah, I mean, historically, Nissan was one, one of the first to do it, the GT, the, the Gran Turismo. Mm. Um, here in Malaysia, Toyota have gone into it in a big way. You know, they have they've been running the Velocity e-sports championship the last four years mm. with big prize money. Um, but like I said, that's GT Sport. It's not. It's more of an arcadey game. Mm. But they are supporting sim ride drivers. You know, like I said, two of the drivers, Nakib and Mika, have been taken into the real life program. I think other car manufacturers will. I think that is the future. I think a manufacturer will not take a, a, uh, take a driver into their stable unless they have some sort of sim background. Mm. Um, because that's where you get the following as well. That's where people relate a, a lot better too.
1: Race director and organizer of the E1 Championship, Alex Jung, on the programme this week. More of that conversation to come, so let's stick around only here on Bar None on BFM 89.9 BFM89.9, 89.9. my name is Daryl Ong and you tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. While the pandemic last year has put all traditional sports on an indefinite halt. Sim racing has seen the other side of the coin, an uptake of interest accelerating the progress that eMotorsport has made over the years. This is definitely seen in the ongoing E1 Championships which is on to its third season, with more eyes on it now than ever before. Alex Young, former F1 driver and organiser and race director of the E1 Championships joins us on the programme this week.
0: The online racing has been great for getting some interest and in market share. A lot of people are watching it who normally wouldn't have watched it and they're yeah. kind of like, wow, I didn't realize it's so exciting. Yeah. Um, we were always going to get this way though. Mm. It was already accelerating before the pandemic hit, um, but maybe it's taken, instead we're reaching a spot I probably expected to reach in maybe 2023, you know, it's accelerated a bit a couple of years earlier, mm. um, but it was already on its way. And the interesting thing is the coaching. The people we've been coaching to come into the sport has been very interesting because we have a center in Kalana and when we started the coaching and and we haven't started the online coaching yet but we're about to, um, when we started the coaching we were very much thinking oh okay young adults would come, maybe teenagers and stuff but I've had a lot of 6 to 10 year olds turn up a lot of kids love it and I was like whoa okay this wasn't in my plan because my courses were kind of serious a lot of abstract thought, a lot of theory and physics, you know. Um, gotcha. But these yeah. six to eight-year-olds coming because I forget how much kids love motorsports. Racing, cars, you know, they, they're just so into it. And the parents are like, wow, my kid loves this. I, I'm bringing my kid. And uh, so we've had to adjust our coaching a little bit for the kids. But um, yeah, it's been really nice to see how much they love it.
1: Mm. And, and you know, pre-pandemic you were holding offline races as well, right? Uh, and sim yeah. races. How has the Switch been doing fully online now?
0: Uh, so that's been really good for me. I mean, the pandemic, that's the silver lining for me because you were right. I was just doing on the ground, offline, because um, that's my background. I, I know how to do those. Yeah. So when the pandemic hit, I was like, crap, i got to fire up a PC. And you know, I'm, I'm a Mac boy. I don't even know how to fire up a PC. So I was like, okay, we have to start running online competitions. So for me personally, it's been great personal growth to get onto this whole thing, to learn how to Discord, how you learn how to use OBS. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for it. Because it's taught me so much mm. um, in a short space of time and it's for an old fogey like me a boomer like me it, it's a way to stay relevant I guess
1: for sure for sure um, talking a little bit about uh, I guess the technological improvements uh, these days we see in esports uh, things like VR right mm. um, do you foresee VR elevating the sim racing experience one day
0: it is already in many ways starting to because um, it's very good for depth perception the yeah. problem with the, the, small, the kids don't have this issue, but the old folks like us when we jump onto a sim after being used to a real car we have no depth perception right. it's like trying to drive with one eye right because you're on a 2 d screen so I, I I can't feel how much speed to carry through the corners I can't see my braking um you know you try and drive one eye it just feels like that when I'm on a sim so VR helps VR gives you depth perception because you've got two eyes working hmm. Um. But having said that, I have a feeling there's going to be a ceiling with VR because hmm. VR is very uncomfortable to use for a really prolonged period. I, I know some drivers can, but most drivers can't. And the key thing about driving is you have to put in the hours, like hmm. any sport. The more hours you can put in, the better. So I, I see quite a few drivers saying, yeah, the VR is nice, but I'd rather not use it because then I can be on the sim longer just driving.
1: Hmm. You know."
0: You. Um, and, and just like driving one hour, you can get used to that. You know? You, you do get depth perception. You do eventually get depth perception with one eye. Mm. So it's a nice to have. Um, I, I, but I think it will reach a, a, a glass ceiling at some point.
1: Mm, got you. Heard. Any any other aspects then you think could be improved? You know, maybe uh, improvements in G-force simulation, that type of thing. Um,
0: the physics. Right. The physics is already very good, but there are still a few tricks you can do in a sim world that you can't do in a real car. Uh, but just like driving any real car, you have to figure those out. So it's still applicable to real life. But obviously, the realism is very important to the user. Um, so the physics will make, will get better and better, and the graphics will get better, and the PCs and the mobile phones will get stronger. Mm. Um, I think for the mobile games, racing games, once you get a really good game on a phone, it will really take off. We don't have any good games on phones yet. And that's just because the 5G is not really here, and the mobile phones, you know, that that will come later. Yeah. But I, I think not so... I mean, I'm not so excited about 5VR. I'm not so excited by motion sims. Um, you can never recreate a real car, and I don't see any point in trying to. But I think the physics as a physics get be- get, can get better, and it will always get better.
1: Got you. Yeah, exciting future for sim racing. Um, talking a little bit about one of your company, Axos Racing's uh, mission. Mm. One of your missions is to, you know... Um, Nurture the next generation of drivers and also talent development, right? Can you bring me through that a little bit?
0: Yeah, that's what we do is talent development. I was head of driver development for Formula One for a, a couple of teams, um, Caterham and Lotus, what, 10 years ago, nine years ago. Um, so I understand that side of things, but also because I've been a coach in water skiing as well as driving, I, I do understand the mental and physical side of, of peak performance. Mm. So it's a natural progression to take these kids and work on that. Um, and, and to get peak performance from any athlete, it doesn't matter what sport, there are a lot of similarities that always play through, uh, whether it's the physical side, the mental side, mental skills training, um, goal setting, all that stuff. It's the same. It's applicable across the board. Hmm. So I, we can bring that experience to the, the e world because the esport world is still quite young. Yeah. You know, if you go and want to become a tennis player, there are academies in place that are coaches. They've been doing it for decades. They, it's all set. The eSport world is not set in that way. You know, you see some very good drivers there, but I, I look at some of the, or, or, or even players, and, and, and you can see that they're not performing anywhere near the optimum. Mm. You know, they're just there because of their first mover's advantage, and they're very g- good. You know, a very good example is something you see the young kids come in, and they, they immediately do better than the older guys. And that's not because the younger kids give any, being young gives it an advantage. I don't believe that at all. I just think that a lot of the older guys haven't learned about peak performance yet. You know, there used to be the case in tennis as well. Remember in tennis, they said, you're, you're done by your late 20s. And then Roger came along
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: with, with, with Nadal and with Djokovic. Hmm. And now they're going to the 40, you know. Yeah. So it's just about learning about peak performance and, and learning what drives performance. Um, hmm. And if you learn it properly, you can prolong your career. You don't see athletes prolonging their career in esports yet, mm. um, and but th- that will change with time. And we're definitely doing it with the racing boys. These, mm. these guys we're working with, they'll have long careers.
1: Yeah, I guess training off the sim, off sim is also equally as, as important, right? That's yeah,
0: the... exactly. And that's one of sorry, that's one of the other things you just reminded me about. People are like, well, they're not going to get physically fit. And that's true. you got a lot of sim drivers and worked with a couple. You know, Brandon Lee made a good example. He was very overweight, you know, never sit a gym. Yep. But when I talk to the sim drivers, I'm like, listen, guys, do you mind doing six hours of training in the gym this week? They're like six hours? No problem. <laughs> these guys do thirty four hours, 30 to 40 hours a week in the, in the sim. For them to hit the gym, six hours? Easy. Easy. <laughs> so I've seen these drivers who have gone from couldn't even do a push-up to being super fit that's already, you know? Great. So uh, yeah, people underrest- they, they Too many people would like to write off esports people as lazy, just sit in the bedroom. That's there is that aspect for sure. Yeah. But these guys are seriously driven to get good at what they do, and yeah. to get, for them to hit, spend hours sitting in the gym, easy.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, we've seen a couple of Malaysian esports stars, you know, breaking out in, I guess, more, more popular titles, I guess, your League of Legends, your Dota 2s or whatever. It's a whole it's a whole thing, right? You're not just playing games. You actually have a nutritionist, you have a psychologist. It's a whole package. You have a coach. So, exactly. it, it, so it's kind of crazy. Um, Yeah, so talking a little bit about that, they these guys, this top, I guess, 0.1% of you know, the esports players actually make a living, uh, make a good living out of it. Do you foresee sim racing to be a serious source of income in the future
0: i hope so um that's why we're doing e1 championship we're having these big tournaments because so i'm trying to grow ecosystem. so these drivers have something to do that they get paid for mm. but they are never going to get paid unless there's an attractive platform for them to show their skills mm. so mm. it's not just about the drivers you need to have the ecosystem you need to have the organizers and the teams need to be top-notch if the organizers are not top-notch How do we know these drivers are any good? So that's very important. Mm. Um, So that's why we have the E1 Championship. I mean, you always get two or three drivers who might sneak through and maybe make it internationally and get up with a car manufacturer like Toyota and go and do Le Mans or go and do WTCR or something. Mm. But that's not good enough, you know, for me. I want to see a proper healthy ecosystem here in Malaysia or in the region. Mm. And we can only do that if everyone plays a part. And that means the organizers, to the teams, to the drivers.
1: Got you, um, racing, uh, even real life racing, and to a certain extent, sim racing today is still pretty much a male-dominated sport mm. and a male-dominated realm, isn't it? Yeah. Um, although not quite there yet, you know. What are your thoughts on mm. on this? You know, what are Axel's plans of making it more inclusive? I guess.
0: Well, if anyone's listening, um, if you're a female and you want to try the sport, we always um, give you classes for free. We're trying to encourage more female participation. Mm. Um, Europe's doing a really good job, you know. For, for for many years in Europe, it's been completely a male-dominated sport. It's changing. You know, They've had some very good initiatives like W Series. Um, we see some top-notch engineers coming to the sport and, and doing really well. Mm. And there's no reason at all why a female can't be as good as a male. Mm. Anyone that says different is full of it. Mm. Um, but here in Asia, at least, I'm not seeing any movement yet to, for more females to come in. Not yet, mm. but I think it will be time because it does work in Europe. We are getting a lot more females into the sport and motorsport. We we just need to try and keep working away and, and hopefully that will start changing here in Asia.
1: Great stuff. Um, Alex, we've seen the success of Zwift, which is uh, the e-sports version of cycling, right? Yeah. And, you know, Especially during the pandemic, a lot of cyclists, they actually use Zwift to train, mm. to practice. It's because it emulates almost the real thing. Yeah. Like, like you were talking about arcade games, right? In your opinion, what's the best platform for, I guess, a race driver to practice on?
0: Uh, I, it depends. If you've got a brand new guy starting, I would do something like Race Room. Race Room. Um, like GT Sport and Formula One is fine, but it is it's, it's arcade-ish. I think they call it Simcade. Not quite a sim, not quite an arcade. It's kinda in between. Mm. But if you want to get a proper sim, you got a PC, get Race Room. And then once you've learned the basics, then um there are other more ac- more expensive unfortunately, but better sim SIM games like um, not better, but different. Right. Um like i Racing, R Fact Two, uh, ACC. Um, you know, E1 Championship we're using iRacing for the first time and uh, it's it's different, but it's it's there has its benefits and its negatives. And for me, if you really want to get good at this, you have to get good at all of them.
1: Mm, yeah, that's a great yeah. point. Mm.
0: I, I see some sim drivers who are only good at one game and then I put them into a real car and it's very hit and miss whether they know what they're doing. Mm. But the guys who are good at all of them, guarantee you, you put them into a real car, they're good.
1: Mm, great stuff. Uh, last few questions, Alex. Um, you've been in the scene for a while now. What is needed to elevate sim racing? to make it I guess one of the big titles more mainstream and become like you know like the other titles
0: I I, I feel that's my job <laughs> um, sim racing is always going to be stuck in the small corner of niche racing because it's people don't understand mm. understand it mm. um, so it's I think it's my job to try and make it more understandable and that's what the E1 championship is a huge part of that mm. if I can create that excitement Um, get more kids to come in and learn to drive because they they do. People get excited by motorsports full stop. They always do. But because it's so unreachable and untenable and so expensive and there's that perception, they're excited and then they just turn off. You know, they they won't ever think about it again. So I'm trying to make it more accessible and I'm trying to make the competitions more exciting Mm. um, so that you do get sunk into it. Um, Because motor racing is very exciting. Because of the team aspect of it, a lot of kids that come in, they mature a lot faster. You know, they, they come the 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 whole because it's a, it's not just about sitting by yourself in one car. You have to interact with the team. You have to communicate. You have to give feedback. You have to understand the analytical side of motorsports, the vehicle dynamics side, um, the mathematics. So the drivers, uh, they they mature at a really quick rate.
1: Hmm. Um, season two is going on right now. If people listening to this want to check it out, they can check it out on Astro EGG. Um, do you have some details about that anywhere else online yeah. stuff like that?
0: Um, yeah, click on our Facebook page, watch it. Uh, it's on channel 800 on Astro, um, and the broadcast looks amazing on 800. Uh, street lives, you know, on Facebook, we do it on Facebook Live as well, so go to the web, uh, Facebook on that, and it looks, looks good there as well. Uh, choose your favorite drivers and support, you know. We got some really good Malaysians. They nice. didn't have a good race on... Round one, round one, actually, they struggled a bit, but uh, I'm sure they'll be back bigger and stronger for round two.
1: Great stuff. Uh, Alex, last question. I know um, before the pandemic, you had plans of expanding to the region, right? To the Philippines and whatnot. How's that going? Uh, What what are your plans for 2021 and beyond?
0: Yeah, we had a deal done for Philippines and Singapore and then the pandemic hit. So that obviously, I mean, it's fine. We went online, it's fine. Um, We're trying to get back to Singapore this year, December. We have a partner in place for that. But obviously it depends what happens with the pandemic. Um, But for now, until we can, we'll just keep on doing our online races.
1: That was Alex Young, organiser of the E1 Championships and former F1 driver on the programme this week. Again, if you'd like to check out the E1 Championship Action it asks every Wednesday at 9pm on the EGG Network Astro Channel 800 as well as on E1 Championship's Facebook and YouTube page. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's program. If you'd like to revisit that interview with Alex, you can head over to our website soon, www.bfm.my forward slash bar none. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong. This has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week, only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.